Welcome to another episode of Podcast. Now, you may have realized that we've been gone for a while and that my good compatriot Elias is not with me. And that's because I've been searching for the materials to create a time machine. Now, you may wonder about what a time machine has anything to do with my friend's disappearance, but after the last episode, there was an issue with the sands of time. I don't have time to explain, but if this works, well, we'll have an episode worthy of all the time we've missed. travel 19 years in the future and there's Capone now good god this might be a sign I'm gonna follow him he's going into the Harvard Inn (laughs) I know what's happening so this is how the famous mobster gets his scar he's eyeing up this girl when he's on bouncer duty Hey, you sure do have a nice I mean that as a compliment. What you saying about my sister? I should hope you would revoke that little comment of yours. I can say whatever I want. Alright, that's it. You asked for it. Definitely bleeping some of that out in post. So that's how the famous mobster, the man named Public Enemy Number One, got the scars that gave him the name Scarface. Aside from that, before he was even 21, he was in a lot of violent incidents, such as the fact that he murdered a lottery winner and stole his earnings, and eventually 
he worked his way up to assaulting, injuring, and killing a member of the rival gang, White Hand. He had to be sent to Chicago because White Hand plotted his death. The, the time machine. Oh, Lord. Ooh, made it. It's 1929. That makes it 11 years after our last stop. Ten years ago, 1919, Al Capone moved to Chicago. He was sent here after the White Hand incident. He came with Torrio, his mentor, to work under the crime boss, Big Jim Colisomo, and his gang. His gang was famous for moonshining. Eventually, Jim was killed, some suspect by Capone himself, to make room for Torrio's rule. After that, in 1925, Torrio was seriously injured in an assassination attempt by another gang, and he decided to retire. This left Capone as king of the gang, and as king, he would go on to do horrible things. As leader of his gang, Capone was ruthless. It's estimated that over 200 deaths were caused directly and indirectly by his actions. When he was committing crime, even with witnesses, he would almost never get in any sort of trouble. He once killed a man named Joe Howard. There were eyewitnesses to the murder, but all of them were too afraid to talk. Capone went unpunished. Then there was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Capone's men lined up rival gang members against the wall, and they- This is the police. Line yourselves against the wall so we can count how many you are. What kind of phony police officer walks around with a machine gun? Okay, didn't think I'd be witnessing that. Let's get out of here. We're back in the time machine. I think I'm gonna stay in here for a while. Al Capone was a ruthless murderer, a tyrant. Every single year, it's suspected that Capone made around $105 million, adjusted for inflation, $1.3 billion. He corrupted the government to keep his empire afloat, and his entire empire was built on breaking prohibition laws in the first place. Just like the Joe Howard incident, in numerous other cases, he was able to commit crimes in broad daylight and get away with them. Sure, he wasn't all bad. He was a family man, he called his mother and wife every day. He also opened a soup kitchen that could feed 3,000 people a day. Some scenarios were mixed. He once reportedly kidnapped famous musician Fats Waller for his birthday, forcing him to play for three days. He then gave him a ton of money and drove him home. But even all of that couldn't compare to the evil the death he caused. More than 200 people were killed because of him. 
200 people who have lives to live, family and friends. And And he actively worked against the government. But now we're getting to reach the end of his story. In 1931, Al Capone was sentenced to prison for violating prohibition laws, contempt of court, and tax evasion. He had to pay a fine of $272,692 plus interest due to back taxes. He spent seven years, six months, and 15 days in prison before paying everything off. When he finally got out of jail, he reportedly deteriorated to the mental capacity of a 12-year-old child. This was likely due to syphilis, an STD he probably contracted in his early Chicago days and never sought out treatment for, though it was available created about 20 years prior. He later died of a stroke in 1947 at 48 years old. He died with his family an unfittingly tender death for public enemy number one. He was a horrible man. No amount of charity or morally dubious money given could ever change that. But sadly, he will still go in history for being one of the most notorious gangsters to ever live. It would be better if he was never famous, never known, because that would be a world with less of a legacy of crime. I think that's an okay episode. Now, let's see if I can upload it from this machine. If all goes well, I'll be able to fix the sands of time and retrieve my friend. Take care, and see you, potentially, on the next episode of PogCast.